Hello and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about classical education, old stuff, and whatever we feel like talking about. My name is Thomas Magby and I'm joined as always by Graham Donaldson. Hello. And AJ Hannenberg. That's me. And I have no witty introduction. All I can say is that Graham is talking today about the Templar. No witty introduction. You could have made a pun on contemplate with Templars. You could have... That's a stretch. That's a stretch. Uh, that's the pun I could At have made? At least my stretch is better than like mailing it in. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry I wanted to get to your content oh, so quick because it is great. And whatever. Okay. I accept your flattery. Thank you. Flattery will get you everywhere, my friend. Um, let's, yeah, we are going to finish up the Templars today. This Templar part three? I think it's part this three. three. Part yeah. three. Um, so the Templar trilogy. Um, and we had we sort of left on a cliffhanger last time. So a little bit of a fast recap. We've got a bro in charge of the Templars, and that bro's name is Gerard of Riedefort. Um, and if we remember Gerard of Reed Four, um, he uh, was super bummed and angry at Raymond of Tripoli because Raymond of Tripoli is like, dude, I got this woman you got to marry. And then Raymond of Tripoli married uh, that woman that to another woman, guy. Yeah, yeah. And Gerard, in his anger, joined the Templars and took a vow of chastity and, huh. and then became the head of the Templars. Anyway, they're not buddies. Sounds like a rough breakup. I know. <laughs> yeah, rough, real rough yeah. breakup. And then the king of... Um, of, the, of Jerusalem was Guy de Lusignan, I believe is, yeah, Lusignan. Do you guys remember how Guy became king? Is that the, he made the deal with, uh, he shook hands with that one guy. That's right. He yeah. shook hands and his wife was uh, um, crowned queen and she's like, I choose my husband to be king. <laughs> and so he yeah. became king yep. because all of the other kings either died of leprosy or were, uh, one was a little baby and he died and they didn't really have a good one and they asked um, Henry II, and he's like, nah, man, I'm not doing that. And then they asked uh, the king of France, and, he's, and he was too young, Philip II, and he's not doing that. So, Guy of Lusignan became kind of king by sort of, he was the only guy left. <laughs> and um, anyway, so he was king, you, and... You'd still feel good about that, right? You still get to be king. Yeah, you still get to okay. be king. Yeah. Um, I'd feel great about that. Yeah. Although Jerusalem is so highly contested and sounds dangerous. Yes, very <laughs> dangerous. And, so you probably um, wouldn't be king for very long. Yeah, I'd maybe rather be king somewhere else or yeah. leader of the assassins. Ah. Oh, yeah, yeah, those guys. Yeah. Anyway, and so then, and you remember Gerard of Ritafort was somebody who always threw himself headlong into battle and mocked anybody that wanted to do, like, strategy um, and, and retreats and that kind of thing. And so that got him into trouble. And last podcast, it got the head of the hospitalers killed. Yeah. Uh, the one guy that was like, we shouldn't do this. And uh, Gerard's like, you're right. We shouldn't do this if we're big babies. And, <laughs> and um, since we're not, we're doing this. And then that guy died and Gerard survived. And then um, Saladin, who's in charge of the uh, um, the sort of the um, – sorry, I almost said Mongolians. They're coming up today. Who's Did in I charge? make a joke about him being a vegan? A Saladin? Yeah. Yeah, oh, probably. Uh, oh, if oh. I haven't, yeah. consider the joke made. The salad. Salad, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like you have to make the joke for it to be counted as... No, it's... Are you just pointing you to the two? Okay, thank you. Good. We'll make the joke for ourselves. Make the joke in your head, yeah. your audience. <laughs> um, and now, so there was this big battle called Croissant, and that was where... Croissant? We have... What? Croissant. Croissant. Gluten? Yeah, what? <laughs> no, salad. Salad and croissants. Um, um, uh, croissant, maybe? And the then ballad of brunch. That was where, that was where uh, Gerard was like, let's ride, and then everyone was defeated... And they had to go home and lick their wounds. Okay. 
And there was that one guy who who died. Um, Sounds really gross. Uh, who who died really gloriously and all the Saracens were, yes. we don't want to kill you and then yep. his body was turned into relics including his nether regions yeah, yeah. okay we talked about yeah, this we did. Right. yeah so then two months after that battle Saladin goes and he besieges Tiberius and you know it kind of sucks you don't want your town to be, besi- <laughs> be besieged right but Raymond of Tripoli's wife was in Tiberius and he's like he's like guys we gotta go get her mm-hmm. we gotta go save her and so they go to, but to get to Tiberius, um, they basically had to traverse this big, long, dry desert area to get there. And Saladin's waiting at the other end. And so there was this point where they're standing, where, where their last sort of stream of water was before they had to traverse this desert, desert to get to Saladin. And they were having a council. They're like, should we traverse this? And it was the heat. It was the middle of summer in the Middle East. It was stinging hot. Right. And then everyone was like, ah, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. And Raymond's, and to Raymond's credit, he was like, yeah, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this. It's just my wife. <laughs> and he, he was sort uh, of a voice for saying, let's just let him take Tiberius. We can go and get it later. And then what do you think Gerard of Rita Four said? Y'all are big babies. Yeah, you guys are a bunch yeah. of babies. You think like a hot desert's going to stop? What? You think being a little thirsty is going to stop uh, the Templars? Heck I imagine no. him having like a big red beard and a big red face. Yeah. Uh, his, he's gonna, <laughs> Let's go. He's going to have a big red face yeah. after this battle. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, and so he's like, no, we're doing this. And they were at their last, uh, they, they had come to this place that they thought was going to be like a big stream and they could all replenish their supplies. But it was like a little trickle. And barely their men could wet their throats. Like it was, and they're like, oh man, we don't have any water. We shouldn't do this. And then the Templar, uh, Gerard was like, we're doing this. Let's do this thing. And he went to the king. He's like, are you, um, a, you know, are you king or are you a baby? And the king's like, I'm a king. <laughs> and so. I like your version of this much better. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> and so then they're like, let's go. Uh-huh. And everyone was, and lots of people were like, this is a bad idea. Anyway, as they were traversing the desert, as I mentioned last podcast, one of the little pages to the king looks up and he sees an eagle following them, holding a crossbow and eight crossbow bolts. And that, or sorry, seven crossbow bolts. bolts. (laughs) That's hard to say. Thank you for getting that right. Um, Didn't we put him on the American flag? That eagle with the crossbow and the bolts? He's just got three on that one. But uh, that was after he dropped a few. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Tired eagle. (laughs) This page immediately realized that those bolts were the seven deadly sins. Not quite sure how we figured that out because there's also seven virtues, but whatever. Um, And, but maybe because the eagle was screeching, woe to you, O Jerusalem, as it flew over the armies of Jerusalem. So this is the thing that happened? Uh, it's according to the page. Actually, par- apparently a lot of people saw it on this march. No, but they didn't have any water in there in the desert, so <laughs> take that for what it's worth. But if a lot of people saw the same hallucination, yeah, that's, that's pretty weird, you guys. So the page came and he's like, hey, uh, there's a bad omen. There's, he's, there's, okay, first of all, he's holding a crossbow. That's alarming. Right. Uh, what if he just lets I'm, one fly? I'm not saying it's alien. <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for it. Thank you. Good. Um, Thank you. And uh, Gerard was like, no, it's a good omen. Um, let's keep what's, going. What's the omen? I don't. Just the eagles, like eagles, will fight for us. They got, cross, they got crossbows. That's what I'm yeah, we, yeah, got, we got uh, air support. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> good. Okay, good. Call, call in the eagles. Eagles with crossbows. That's right. yeah, eagles with crossbows. Yeah. Out of so, yeah. But a lot of people took this as a bad sign that the birds were screaming, "Woe to you, Dr- woe to you, Jerusalem!" Oh. Anyway, and as they left their last <laughs> water supply, was the bro king like, "No, it's not like woe as in sad like, woe." It's like woe. <laughs> we to made you. this exact joke last time. <laughs> did we really? We did. I'm sure we did. Um, I'm so sorry, yeah. listeners. It's all right. It just means that it just means you're authentically funny every time. Ah. Because Ouch. like no 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 because the joke like it, you, you don't yeah. plan your jokes it just comes to you yeah yeah 
Um, the same stinging joke. <laughs> <laughs> and we forget what we say immediately after oh, we say sure. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. so they're going the in there in the desert and they're away from their water. And Saladin's like, I can't believe they did that. And he immediately sends his two nephews with an army around the Templars riding in the desert to sur- go to the other side and cut off their retreat to the nearest water supply. Okay. So now there's there's Saracens in front of you and Saracens behind you and no water anywhere. There, it's, anywhere you go, there are Saracens between you and water. Rough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they um, they got real hot. Y- yes. And uh, it was real dry and real dusty. And then they went and they camped. And because they were it was so hot and dry and dusty, they kicked up all this dirt. And then that's in your face. And they were camping so close to the Saracen army, and um, the Saracens had, you know, like camels, and they had they had sacks full of water, water and, soaker or and, super soakers and, <laughs> and stuff. Exactly, yeah, and they yeah, were sure. like, um, you know, Wait, taunting. Sprinklers are going. Like yeah, they were lawn. taunting them at night. They, you could hear water being poured out on Ugh. the ground and laughter, and everyone was like in the Christian <laughs> camp. And they yeah. said that the Saracens were camping so close that they that any cat that was trying to escape the Christian army would have ran into uh, a Saracen guard. So there you go. Why did they have cats? Just, if they followed them. Came. They have eagles. The they, they got, they yeah, have well, creepy so, yeah. omen eagles. So. Yeah, yeah. They have creepy omen cats. Yeah, um, we are going to be talking about a pope who thinks cats are um, like Satan's minions, but we'll get there. That pope would be correct. Um, probably. Anyway, so um, they are now surrounded, and as they woke up, they're like, crap we're we should just have a big throwdown tomorrow morning we're gonna fight them and they went no we shouldn't do this we should um march even further into the desert towards that mountain which i'm pretty sure has water on it okay oh no um, Seems boys, like a bad idea. Guys, so they yeah. decide that the when saracens they wake, surely don't know yes, where the water right. is so when they wake up in the morning they decide that they're going to start mar- marching towards that mountain and it was i think it was called like um Man, I can um, Death Mountain, Mount, Death, yeah. Mount Death. Dry yeah. Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was called um, um, ha- uh, Hatin. I think it was the name of the mountain. Hatin. It ends up being called the Battle of Hatin. So it means no streams. Yeah. <laughs> so they start going to this mountain and uh, even further into the desert. So what the Saracens do is they um, they start all of the brush everywhere on fire so it's like dry and smoky Ugh. and the and um it kind of looked like you're in this dry hellscape so this pranking them hard <laughs> yes. seriously yeah and they and then so this they were and then the the army of the saracens were following the army of the christians through the desert as they were going towards this mountain and at, at some point they realized all right the christians were like we should just charge the muslim army and so they did because at a certain point, you're just, it's just going to get worse for you. So it's going to get worse right. and worse and worse. So they decided to charge the uh, Muslim army, and then uh, the Muslim army broke and separated, and the horses charged right through, but it was pl- on purpose. They oh. broke on purpose, and then as soon as the horses broke into the Muslim army, they actually weren't retreating. They enveloped them, and all of the like the bros who did the big manly charge were captured. Hmm. So, and killed. So they did this big, like, like, we're going to do this thing. And they rode. And then the Saracens pretend to be like, oh, no. And then started to run. And so then the horses got even further and further and further away from their army. Right. And then they got surrounded and slaughtered. So Dang. Um, these things happen. Um, so just brush it off so easily. I know. Yeah, and so then all wow. of the sort of the bravest uh, Templars were on the horde. The mounted Templars were on, you know, were, were, were captured or killed. And so then King Guy was like, crap, I'm going to, 
uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up my tent and I'm gonna take out the holy I'm gonna take out the relic of the holy cross and we're gonna fight to the death because they had no food they were super thirsty everyone was uh, people were already starting to die from thirst and um, King Gi and his knights of the Templar made a final stand and they they raised the 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 cross uh, the true the, the shard of the true cross high and. Um, um, Saladin uh, rode into battle against them, and Saladin said, I will not consider this. Everyone was like, all his, his little nephews and uncles were like, hey, man, we're going to win this thing. He's like, we have not won this thing until that tent falls hmm. and that Templar flag hits the ground. And the, and the flag of the king of Jerusalem hits the ground. And they fought and they fought, and then the tent fell and the Christian flag hit the dust. And um, at the end of the battle... Um, Saladin and his men claimed to have killed 40,000 people wow. oh, man. at the Battle of Hatayin or Hatin or what how do you pronounce slaughter. it? Was the king um, killed? The king was not killed. Uh, the king was taken. So the, um, the king, Raymond, and um, and what's his face? Uh, uh, sorry, King Guy and Raymond and Gerard were all still alive. Oh, shoot. I can't remember. Um, Gerard, yeah, he survives because he dies somewhere else. Um, and they were all taken before the king, or before Saladin. And Saladin, the first thing he did was he g- gave King Guy a cup of rose water to drink. Aww. Yeah, so he's yeah. like, you're probably super thirsty. Yeah. And the king took it, and he passed the cup of rose water to Raymond. And as Raymond was about to drink, Saladin said, I didn't give you rose water, <laughs> and smacked it out of his hand. Um, and so Raymond didn't get any water and Gerard definitely didn't get any Saladin water. Saladin sounds like such yeah. a baller. <laughs> Saladin's I, awesome. I, everything I've heard about Saladin made me think this guy's just rad. So uh, a couple of notes before we continue on with what happens to Raymond. So nobody knows what happens to the true cross mm, the, at, at the ask. end of this battle. Yeah. Um, some people say that Saladin took it. Um, there's one dude who many years later came up came uh, who escaped a templar who escaped the battle and then sort of shows up in a town like 10 years later and he was like i escaped the battle of hatin or hatin uh and i had the true cross and they say hey man what'd you do with it and he's like i buried it somewhere and i can't remember and he oh, like no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bummer yeah. yeah so he buries a chunk of the true cross and he can't remember where it is so it's like in the desert somewhere other people have these all these other little stories about what happened to it, but it disappears. No one really knows what happened to this hmm. to the True Cross of the Templars. Uh, it's gone. But luckily, Do we have any more chunks of the True oh, Cross. Oh yeah, there's probably there's more chunks of the True Cross than there probably was a cross. Than there is a cross. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're really? everywhere. They're oh, they're, like if you took all the chunks of the True Cross and like built a cross out of it, it'd probably be Giant. taller than our school. I think they do the same thing with saints and all, like all kinds of those relics. Were like yeah, pigs bones, is, and yeah, stuff. pigs bones and mm-hmm. other bones yeah. and just chunks of wood. But and, this one was apparently the most credible one mm. for it to be the True Cross. But it gets lost. No one really knows what happened to it. And one guy shows up at Acre like years later. He's like, I buried it. I can't find it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which is really funny. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, Guy gets the rose water and is treated well and hospitably. And Raymond's like about to take a sip and smack. No, no rose water for you. Saladin ra- doesn't like Raymond. Even though Raymond earlier had like allied with Saladin after the whole Guy becoming king dispute that you can hear about in the last podcast. But Saladin was uh, uh, hated Raymond from some old wars and battles that had happened before. And so he decides he's going to behead him. And Saladin wants to swing the sword himself. But the legend goes that Saladin was so excited and so happy that he finally got the chance to kill Raymond that as he raised the sword and lowered it, he missed and cut off his arm by mistake. Oh, wow. What? (laughs) That's what? Yeah. 
And so Raymond got his arm cut off and was Wait, how- Raymond is the head of the Templar, right? No, Raymond is the head of Tripoli. Gerard is the head of Templars. Okay. But Raymond, it was his wife that they were going to Tiberius right, okay, to save. Got it. Right. But anyway, so Saladin was so excited to finally kill Raymond that he was going to cut, chop his head off of mist and chopped off his arm instead. And Raymond's like, ah, oh, man, come on, <laughs> do a proper. Right. And then he, so then Saladin then chops his head off. Oh, bummer. Oh. <laughs> but it's just pretty funny that, you know, Saladin was just so jacked up to finally get his revenge that he missed. Yeah. Oh, Poor Raymond, that I sucks. I know, seriously. That's a, um, that's a rough, rough way to go. But I'm like, yeah. I think... All of the Templars, except Gerard and like 10 dudes, were killed. The whole army of Jerusalem was destroyed. And Saladin promptly goes and conquers Tiberius, um, Acre, Sidon, Beirut, and then Jerusalem. Wow. And he takes over Jerusalem. So the city has fallen. Almost everything has fallen. The only things that are left in the hands of the Crusader states are uh, some places in the north, um, like Tripoli and Antioch, I think. And a lot of these castles that the Templars had. But all the major cities, and Acre being the big one, because that's the port city, were taken. Now, if you remember from other podcasts that King Richard I comes back, or comes to the Holy Land, fights Saladin, and retakes Acre. Um, But Saladin takes this, he doesn't hold it for very long, but he takes Jerusalem. He goes and clears out the Alaska Mosque with rose water and kicks all the Templars out and takes all the crosses out and puts back all the Muslim relics in there and turns it back into a mosque. And um, and this was that was the Battle of Hattin was uh, Hattin was the like probably the turning point for all the Crusader states. It was definitely their biggest loss, and I think it was like the height of power. And now it's gone. Mm. They'll get Jerusalem back in like a hundred years or so, but n- they won't hold anything for nearly as long as they did now. Mm. So Richard, we you we you can hear the story about Richard coming in. So Richard comes and takes Acre, and then he has the opportunity to take Jerusalem, but he or he negotiates a two-year peace with Saladin. And the one big concession is they allow pilgrims to go and worship at the tomb of the Holy Sepulchre, mm-hmm. but it, Jerusalem is still under Muslim control. And so Richard's like, ah, I can live with that, and he goes back to England. Right. Um, and then, um, yeah, so then this, this happens, uh, Gerard dies in some battle i can't remember how but it's pretty it's sort of like this again it was like in true bro fashion it was like an ill-advised uh charge but at this point like his luck ran out and he was killed um anyway yeah so there you go gerard but uh eventually mm, if you guys remember um saladin um had a bunch of kids, but he also had those awesome personal guards. Remember those personal guards? Yes. They were yellow, right? Yeah, they wore yellow silk, and they were the Mamluks. Mm-hmm. Man, this Saladin is cool. is so cool. Yeah. Um, hold on to those Mamluks, because they become a huge part of the story later. Okay. So, um, um, he starts his empire, his dynasty, uh, the Ab- Abbasid dynasty. I can't remember what it was called. But he sets up the dynasty, and, and then when he dies, it gets disseminated to his children, and almost immediately falls into mm. like oh, squabbles and disputes on, and these kinds of yeah. things. So um, nobody could really hold these states together quite like the dad d- could. And so then you get these sort of power back and forths, and and no one can really sort of keep a united uh, Islam, a united Muslim sort of uh, caliphate all over the uh, all through the Middle East and Syria, up through Turkey and Syria and Baghdad and Saudi Arabia and Egypt, and they just couldn't. Yeah, it was too hard to to do. Um, the kids just weren't skilled enough. Um, and the Templars are essentially falling into uh, disrepair. 
they really kind of at this period pull back from the military side of things and really emphasize the financial side of things. So if you remember, they had special dispensations from the church that they could um, not have to pay tithes. Right. And they could collect money like churches could. And it meant that they actually ended up becoming this huge, important banking network. Um, if you wanted – so you, if a letter from a Templar in Portugal was good for a, for a Templar in Cyprus. And so if you gave a Templar a bag of gold, 100 gold marks in Portugal, and he gave you a letter saying 100 gold marks – you could take that letter to the other side of the world, give it to the Templars in Cyprus, mm. and they would give you 100 gold marks. Cool. So they ended up becoming this really – and they'd take a little bit off the top for their services. Naturally. Naturally. So they ended up becoming hidden, this those really fees, man. That's what gets you. efficient, like, proto-banking power. Before we had banking, like we know in the Italian Renaissance, they were the money holders. And as they went on – um, people became in debt to the Templars. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, England was in debt to them. France becomes enormously in debt to the Templars. And the Templars also were acquiring huge, vast estates in the Christian nations, huge tracts of land in France, in Spain, uh, in England, a lot of the north. Uh, uh, they, the Templars were, become, you know, uh, were becoming wildly rich, and they were also the um, sort of um, gave the world – much needed liquidity. If you wanted, right. you didn't have to um, take all your gold in your boat, and then if your boat sank, all your gold's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, you could use just take the letter, and the letter was good enough. So, um, um, and then let's see. So uh, eventually, then uh, a new crusade happened. Uh, oh man, we're skipping so many great stories. Like in the Third Crusade, there was this guy named uh, Frederick. Uh, he was the ki- he was the king of um, uh, he was the Holy Roman Emperor and he was going to go on crusade but his he was known as Frederick Barbarossa <laughs> but he, on the crusade he decides he's going to stop and take a swim because it was real hot just uh, on one of his marches and he drowns oh and the, king, the, and the Holy Roman Emperor drowns swimming got to take off your chainmail I know yeah, yes, lesson honestly. one yeah. yeah so because he didn't go Richard got all the glory anyway um, but in 1204 the fourth crusade happens and it was again like crusading fervor got all whipped up all right let's go get jerusalem back and off the crusaders went and halfway there i don't really know why but for some reason they're like you know who also should be taught a lesson those eastern greek christians and then they sacked constantinople in 1204 they burned down a bunch of like christian churches and plundered the city of constantinople they're like ha shows them um and this was the beginning Would, would this later become istanbul Yes, Constantinople. Yeah, Istanbul, okay. Constantinople. Istanbul is Constantinople. So if you have a date, yeah, in Constantinople, Constantinople should be waiting in Istanbul. Yeah, yeah. What is happening? this? Is a song? Oh, sorry. Istanbul was Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. You have a date in Constantinople. Should be waiting in Istanbul. They, no. uh, they were giants. They might, they be giants. might be giants. They might be giants. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so they sacked Constantinople, and this is the beginning of the Great Schism between the Eastern Church and the Western Church, and that Great Schism was only recently, like, knit back together in our lifetime. Yeah. I don't remember when, but... But um, uh, was it Pope Benedict and the Patriarch of Antioch got together? I don't know. Sounds right. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so um, that was bad. And then the Fourth Crusade did not go very well. But something really interesting happened. Two bros, two... No, not just bros. Real brothers. Okay. Two brothers became the head of the Templars, 
and the head of the Hospitallers. Oh, there you go. So you have these two brothers, and they're in charge of these two military orders, and they decide that what they're going to do is they're going to go to try to take over the big, important port city of uh, Damietta. Damietta. I actually don't know how to pronounce that name of that city. It's in the north of Egypt. Um, and they go, and they are successful, and they actually take the city, and nobody thought that they could, and there was this really cool battle where they were on an island, out, like the city was kind of um, uh, a port city that was an island uh, in, in a delta, and they were on this little tiny island, and they assaulted the city and took it over, and everyone was shocked, including the Templars and the Hospitallers, like, mm-hmm. holy crap, we did it. Um, and the head of the uh, Muslim Empire was like, wow, um, cool. Hey, I'll make you a deal. If you give us Damietta back, we'll give you Jerusalem. Mm. Wow. And they debated this. And wh- like as they deal. were as they were debating this, a certain monk from Italy decided he was going to come down and try to convert the Muslims, not with the sword, but with words. And you know who that monk was, Fran- or, uh, uh, Thomas? Would you jo- did mm-hmm. Freudian slip? I, uh, I did Freudian uh, slip. It. Was that's, it Franco? That's uh, James. <laughs> it was, Saint, James Franco. Yeah. Saint Francis. It was Saint Francis, the man so, himself. So Francis comes down and he tries to um, uh, convert the Muslims by. Uh, um, by talking to them, let's see if I can actually find the little section uh, in in this book where it talks about it. And it's one um, of those insane things. Like he, he should have been killed for. He even, should have been killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead, is that he gets in? He actually gets an appointment with the with the Sultan. I don't yes. Know if the, yeah. Um, the uh, Al Kamil is the yeah. name of the head of the uh, Saracens at this time, and yeah. this is what uh, Dan Jones talks about with Francis coming down to Damietta at this time. Yeah. Upon arrival at Damietta, Francis put himself forward as a negotiator. He walked out of the Christian camp and presented himself to the nearby Egyptian army. There he demanded to see Al-Kamil so that the new sultan could be shown the error of his faith. According to James... Did he lay that on the, the guards? He's like, look, I got to talk to your boss so I can tell but him how like wrong he is. he's like a dude wearing like a bag right. and like no sandals. Right. And they're like, well, he's not... What's he going to do? He's probably threat. not an assassin. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, according to James of Vitry, the chronicler and bishop of Acre, Francis, quote, preached to the Saracens for a few days, but with little result. <laughs> yeah. The Sultan politely refused his, or- his offer to perform a miraculous walk through the fire as proof of God's favor and sent the eccentric young man back to his own side. Only Al Camille's good humor saved Francis from summary beheading a fate many Templar brothers had met with over the years. Yeah. So Francis goes and he's like, I'm, a, I'm just going to talk to him. I'm just going to tell him about Jesus. I'm go- and then if that's not going to convince him, I'll be like, how about I miraculously walk through the fire? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And Al Camille's like, no, thank you. Uh, and then uh, he went back. <laughs> I've seen it. I'm good. And so that didn't work. Yeah. And so while this was happening, the two brothers, head of the Templar, head of the hospitalers were like, hey man, should we just take Jerusalem and give him back Damietta? And the more headstrong said, we could, or we could push further south into Egypt with our armies. And they're like, yes, let's do that. So they said, uh, heck no, we're not going to get Jerusalem. We're going to take all of Egypt, then go take Jerusalem. And Al-Kamil was like, fine. Um, And so he retreated his armies deeper into Egypt, down the Nile. And uh, the Templars and the Hospitallers took their troops down, realized pretty quickly they don't know anything about the Nile, um, uh, run out of food, and are absolutely routed and are trying to go back to Damietta only to find that Damietta is now besieged. They can't get in and they're on the outside and they're running out of food and they're starving to death and they surrender to Al-Kamil. And they're like, okay, 
We'll take your deal. We'll take now. your yeah, deal. Exactly. We'll take Jerusalem. <laughs> and he said, nope. interesting. That still the, the deal table? has changed a little bit. Yeah. I will give you 15 days worth of food and get out of my country. Oof. And they took the deal. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty good deal yeah, considering yeah. So, where they were. Yeah. We're starving to death. Yeah. Can we still have Jerusalem? I feel like 15 days of food is. So they turned an offer of um, the holiest city of Jerusalem for 15 days of bread because of their because they were stupid. So they take their food and they go back and they they go home with their tails between their legs. Um, and um, uh, where was I? Oh yes. Um, so, you know, this is just sort of typifying that the Templars were, you know, full of spirit, but not too bright. Yeah. And at this point, then the whole Christian world was, was looking to the Holy Roman Emperor to get his act together. Different guy, not the guy who drowned. The Holy Roman Emperor to get his act together and come and have a crusade in the, in, in the Holy Land. The Pope really wanted him to do it. His name was Frederick II of House Hohenstaufen. Hohenstaufen. What in the world? Okay. Uh, So Frederick II, the Holy Roman Emperor of House Hohenstaufen, um, was rumored to be someone who privately disbelieved all faiths. Hmm. And he thought all religion, this was rumor that he, everyone, that, that he thought that all religion was quite silly. Um, But the Pope, the Pope didn't like this. Right. And the Pope at this time was a very pious Pope whose name I can't remember, but was... Could it be Pope Pius? Was <laughs> he wasn't pious. Yeah, exactly. But it was a Pope who um, thought that there were heretics everywhere. He was super concerned that the Holy Roman Emperor was a heretic, and he was also was the he? Pope that thought cats were a ah. tool of the devil. Yeah. And there were many famous um, heresy trials where cats were put on trial and asked if they were in fact devils. Um, What'd they say? Yeah. Meow. (laughs) (laughs) And there were many cats that were burnt uh, because they were assumed to be devils. (laughs) Yeah. History is crazy. Um, I don't like cats, but that seems um, (laughs) extreme. Too much. Right. Are you a devil? (laughs) Burn it. Burns it. (laughs) So, uh, um... It's repressed. So Frederick II, <laughs> Thank you, Frederick II of Hohenstaufen finally came, basically get the Pope off his back to start this crusade. And when he got there, he immediately clashed with the Templars. The Templars did <laughs> yeah. not like him. He right. did not like the Templars. Right. And he's like, Templars, I want you to do what I tell you. I'm the Holy Roman Emperor. And they're like, uh, we don't have to listen to you. This is our town. Oh, this is our lost territory. Right. <laughs> and, um, and so he's like, fine. And he started his own order of holy warriors called the Teutonics. And so the Teutonic Knights. Oh, we, like um, wasn't there the a Teutons? barbershop quartet? <laughs> Thank you. That? Uh, yeah, yeah. We've got the joke we, you're going to make? We, uh, yes, we've also made this joke before. <laughs> Gosh dang it. Sorry. Would just, you guys at least warn me so I don't make this I was about joke. to say something and then you just went, for, anyway, so here we, we are. You can see so, the little glint in your yeah, eye. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, but the, getting, so, yeah. we, can make, we can make the same joke. I'm a huge fan of their acapella work. Come on, say so it. So the Teutons came on board and the Teutons wore our. <laughs> so disappointed in myself. The, uh, the Teutonics wore all black with a white cross. The Hospitallers wore all, all blue with a white cross, and then the, the Templars wore all white with the red cross. So he sort of even stole their uniform. Okay, great. And so they come, and they were loyal to him, and the Templars were like, who are these guys? And they were Germans, mainly, Holy Roman Emperor, pardon me, Holy Roman Empire, whereas most of the Templars were French. And uh, then most of the Hospitallers were more like, um, like Greek and Cyprians hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, and so now you've got this sort of regional re, uh, clashes between them. And um, uh, so the king of Jerusalem and Templars did not like Frederick II, 
Frederick II had a couple of battles, but as he was there, he he like thought that the Holy Land was stupid, and he thought crusades were stupid, and he thought that all of this like bloodshed for this piece of land that had nothing to do with Germany was stupid. And he eventually decides that he's like crusading. He he was like the crusades are dumb, and he left. And as he was getting on his boat to leave, um, to to go out of Acre, uh, all the townsfolk came. They're like, "You suck! We hate you!" And like threw guts at him. And so he so he left with like pelted with like animal guts. And he was like, "Oh, I hate the Crusades!" <laughs> and uh, went back to Germany. I guess right. Worst vacation so. ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it sounds horrible. Um, and and the, and the and Islam, the Muslims at that point, they were just too strong. Like the the Christians were whittled down, and there was. Like crusading fervor back home was getting less and less, and no one was really into this anymore. And if the Holy Roman Emperor is like, this is kind of stupid, let's go take care of things back in Germany. Who cares about what's happening out here? Right. Um, and people were kind of like, yeah, that makes that make that kind of makes sense. Um, we're gonna skip over some other stories. There's a story of, of the King Louis the t- the Ninth. And he was the king of France, and um, he was real young, and he was dying. He was mm-hmm. on his deathbed. And, he, and everyone sort of came into his room, and he looked super dead. And his sisters were like, I think he's dead. And then they're going to start – they were putting the, like, the sheet over his head because he was dead. And then he wakes up. He's like, ah, I'm not dead. <laughs> and he's like, bring me a priest. And they brought him a priest, and he's like, priest, if I, I want you to know that if I don't die – I'm going to go on crusade. And the priest is like, okay, and blessed him. And then he was fine. And hey. then like, he recovered. Yeah. So then Louis IX had in his mind that, okay, I'm going to go on a crusade. He goes off um, and he goes and he attacks Damietta again with the Templars and the Hospitallers and some of the Teutonics that stayed behind. <laughs> now I just think they're singing. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, Good, thank you. Good. Hello. Hello, my baby. Hello, my uh, And they go and they baby, attack baby, Damietta baby, baby. and then it's a huge flop and everyone gets beaten by the um by is the, uh, the by the muslims and louis the ninth gets captured mm. and now he's captured and, and then france has got to pay this huge ransom and they do pay it and he goes home and he says like i'm not going on crusades anymore war is stupid and he dedicates himself to a life of sainthood and piety and he actually becomes a saint oh, he's cool. uh he's he's one of the, the the saints of the catholic church cool. louis the ninth i mean he he did he fulfilled his promise yeah, yeah. he went he did. And, um, and he didn't know it at the time, but he was the last Crusader king. Nobody else was going to go on crusades after the Louis IX. Wow. Uh, it just, the fervor was, was gone. And this pope, whose name I can't remember, was sort of turning the eye, the sort of pious eye away from the Middle East and back home to uh, looking for if heretics back home. And there was a new organizing principle in the, uh, in the Crusader states the Mamluks, remember them? Mm, yeah. They were the they were the royal guard. They were just dudes. They were just the, the guards, and they were the slaves that were turned into an army. They took over, and they're in charge. In fact, the Mamluks uh, ended uh, Saladin's dynasty, and they started the Mamluk dynasty. And so the, the guards then became, uh, uh, they took over, and they united the Muslim world. I love these guys. <laughs> and they united the Muslim world against a new dangerous foe in the north. The Mong- the yes, the yeah. Mongolians, who had the largest land empire in human history, stretching from China to Poland to the Arctic. It's crazy. Dang. Yeah. 
Um, Genghis Khan was a... But the Arctic didn't put up much of a fight. They didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. too much of a fight. Yeah. You hear this, you bears? Yeah. <laughs> We're here. Um, so Genghis Khan was a little orphan boy and then somehow rose to prominence and became the Mongol king. We won't talk too much about him because I don't know anything about him. Uh, that sounds like a future podcast. I am super but, interested in him. Yeah. I want to learn all about Genghis Khan. So, um, so he... Carlin history, hardcore history, he has like a... 16-hour thing on oh, the really? rise of Genghis Khan. Yeah. Cool. Really? So, so anyway, oh, man. Uh, so just this is a promise to you listeners. After Plato, That's what you're gonna Genghis do? Khan. Okay, there it is. Awesome. Okay. So Genghis Khan um, becomes king, and he then comes down, and he doesn't... He's going to take over uh, the Crusader states. The Crusaders at this point are, like, toothless. Mm. It really is the Mamluks, and, like... The Crusader states are like flies buzzing around, and the Templars have like a couple of castles and Cyprus. Mm. Um, but the Mamluks are more concerned with the Mongolians, so they have to fight them. Genghis Khan dies uh, in 1259. He splits his empire up with his kids, who are less competent than he is, but there is a big old giant fight um, and he is an existential threat to all Muslims and Christians in the region. And at one point, he, uh, the Mongolians sack Baghdad, which is like the um, pretty much the spiritual center of this caliphate. Um, he sacks Baghdad. He takes the caliph. And the way that he killed the caliph was he rolled him up in a carpet and had his horses run back and forth over that carpet. Mm. That sucks. Yeah, seriously. And unfortunately, he also burned down the library of Baghdad in 1258. Oh, bro. So there's all sorts of things in that. Who knows what was in that library in Baghdad in 1258, but uh, the Mongolians burned it down. Plato's comedies. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. Aristotle's, uh, you know, book four of whatever. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so burns it down. And um, and, uh, so the Mamluks and the Mongolians are fighting for an existential threat. And really what kind of stopped the Mongolians from taking over everything was the plague. And uh, and that took sort of, you know, the, uh, the wind out of their sails. That, you know, the uh, bubonic plague. Turns out no one wants to go to war when you've got goiters the size of, like, water balloons. Exactly. Um, but now the crusading fervor, like I said, had been waning. No one really wanted to put all their money into uh, taking land that they don't have anymore. And everyone kept, they kept losing castles. And now the Templars are really just kind of, like, hanging on on Cyprus, rich as kings. And, uh, and everybody is in debt to them. So, um, so, so they develop a lot of enemies. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the church now is like, all right, we want you Templars. We want you to amalgamate the Templars, the Teutonics, and the Hospitallers. We want you guys to become one order, and we want you to submit to the church. And the Templars were like, no, thank no. You. no we don't want to do that. No, thanks. Uh, and this was a big old ongoing back and forth. And right now, the grandmaster of the Templars is a man by the name of James of Molay. So James of Molay is a grandmaster, and he has he's a young guy, um, and the Pope is like, hey, we want you to amalgamate, and he's like, don't want to do that. Um, and this, you had a, uh, the Pope at the time was, there's sort of two men we now need to, there's going to be three, but two guys we need to, to know, Pope Boniface VIII, and the king of France, Philip IV. Philip IV was a difficult man. Um, what can we say about Philip IV? He very much presented himself as zealous. 
but his zeal was for the church insofar as the church meant France. <laughs> um, so he was very zealous for the faith and liked to paint everything as existential spiritual threats, but really they were very political threats. Mm. And Boniface VIII did not like um, Philip IV. Um, and there's like Italian-French rivalries going on, and Boniface VIII um, hated Philip IV, and uh, they had all of these sort of disputes, and Philip IV was like, hey, Boniface, or hey, everybody, I'm pretty sure Boniface VIII is um, uh, like, you know, um, too rich for his own good. The church shouldn't be rich. Look at all that money he's got. And I'm pretty sure he's like into sinful stuff. Um, and Boniface is like, you take that back. Yeah. Um, Eventually, Boniface uh, um, dies, and now there's this huge succession. There, there was like, okay, who's going to be the next pope? And there was a lot of French cardinals who were basically in the back pocket of Philip IV, and then there was a lot of Italian cardinals who were in the back pocket of the Holy Roman Empire, and it was going to be this huge political throwdown, and they couldn't really pick a pope. So they went, and they did what they always do when they can't pick a pope. They find a dude... They find a hermit. They find a righteous hermit. <laughs> and make them do it. Yeah. <laughs> so they found this guy. His name was Peter, and he was a hermit. And they're like, hey, Peter, you're Pope. You are now Pope Celestine V. Wow. And he was like, I don't want to be Pope. <laughs> and you're like, no, sorry, man, you're Pope. And they like forcefully Poped him. Wow. And um, he was Pope for like three months. And he ran away. And no one <laughs> really? knows what happened to him. No way. Yeah, Celestine V ran away and abdicated his uh, his pontificate and like went back into hermit life and they couldn't find him. I love this guy too. He's That sounds great. I'm so, imagining something like he, he was dirty and he never, never showered exactly. and he's got sandals and he tried to fight that big silly hat off when they tried to put it on his head. He probably just like came to Rome on like a little pilgrimage one day and oh gosh, darn it, I'm Pope. <laughs> Um, whoops whoopsie doodle whoops, yeah. uh, anyway so then he runs off and they can't <laughs> he find him mom have I got a tail yeah. for you <laughs> so he goes back to his hermitage off in the mountains and no one can know, knows where he is and so the pope is gone right. and they said he abdicated so we didn't need a pope again and at this point um, Philip IV has enough political clout to get his dude in mm. as the pope and his dude is named Pope Clement V um, and he is essentially a lackey he is in Philip IV's back pocket mm. so Clement V is pope and he is a French pope, and the Italians and the Germans are like, mm, I don't like this guy. Right. Anyway, um, so the uh, Italians are ticked, and at one point, uh, Clement V is like, you know, spending way too much time in France, way too much time in Avignon, and um, he decides he's going to come back to Rome because he's got to do like Pope Rome stuff, and they don't let him back in. And he can't get, he doesn't get back into, uh, into Rome, and so he's like, you know what? The pontificate no longer lives in Rome. The pontificate now lives in France. Oh. And he went and he set up the um, the head of the Roman Catholic Church in Avignon. And at some point, the Italians were like, you're not Pope anymore. And they had their own Pope. And this is known in history as the Babylonian captivity. Um, yeah, that's what it's called. So we have got two, there's going to be two popes, Clement V and some other dude in Rome. And it's this whole big, this whole big to do. And it's, you know. But meanwhile, the Templars are rich, right. and Philip IV is in massive debt to them. Right. And so he says, um, okay, uh, Clement, um, uh, I want you to announce that the Templars are, in fact, heretics. Oh. Clement's like, uh, do you have any like proof of this? <laughs> 
And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, uh, you know, they do like they Satan. Hang out with cats. They do yeah. like Satan stuff uh, in their really? rituals. He said yeah. that? Well, he's okay. like, they, they, they don't, um, I'm pretty sure they step on crosses mm. uh, to become a Templar. And um, there was also, he's like, and he made accusations of buggery, which is right. um, because they weren't married and they all lived together. And mm. so he's like, that's bound to yeah. happen. Right. And then... Um, uh, some Templar, some dudes who were like low ranked Templars, the king would sit them down. And he's like, Hey, the Templars do anything weird. <laughs> and they told him all these elaborate stories. Um, one very funny story is one low ranking Templar said, yes, if you want to be a Templar, uh, in order to become a Templar, you have to kiss, kiss the naked buttocks of the uh, grand master. And, um, and Philip the fourth was like, that's all I need. And, um, so he took that to the Pope and he's like, they're kissing each other's butts. They are, <laughs> they are doing, they're stepping on the cross. They're doing weird Satan stuff. These guys are bad news. So the Pope's like, all right, does this have anything to do with the fact that they're <laughs> super in debt yeah, to the, and yeah. he's like, no, they're bad. No, but kissing. <laughs> and so meanwhile, there's all sorts of heresy things. People were being super freaked out about heretics. Right. There were the Fraticellis going mm -hmm. on. There was all sorts of these little groups popping up um, who were really upset about how rich the church was. You know, this is the right. pre-Reformation. This is like the beginning of the, you know, these tectonic plate movements that's going to come up in the Reformation. A lot of reform movements going on. Um, uh, a lot of people questioning the sort of uh, political and temporal power of the church, and everyone was sort of like, holy crap, it's a paradigm shift. And so uh, Philip IV is like, they're kissing each other's butts, we gotta, you know, this is bad. Right. Um, so Clement IV um, um, puts out a, an edict saying that all Templars are heretics, and um, on October 13th, 1307, so Friday, and it was a Friday, Friday, October 13th, 1307, all of the armies, the French armies, seized every single piece of Templar land, gave it to the king, and rounded up and jailed every single Templar knight. Is that why we have weird traditions about Friday the 13th? That is why we yes. have weird traditions about no Friday the 13th. No way. Friday yeah. the 13th because of Templars. Templars. Because yeah. of the Templars. What? They were all arrested, and then all, and then the Templars in other countries where people were less in debt and really liked the Templars didn't want to do it. The English were like, we kind of like the Templars. <laughs> And like the Portuguese were like, we need them. Mm. Um, and the Portuguese and Spanish, we need them. And the Pope was like, nah, you got to arrest them. And so um, you got to put them on trial and you got to try them as heretics. So like half-hearted trials happen in England where it's like, are you a heretic? And they'd be like, or do you like step up? Did you have to kiss butts and step on the cross <laughs> in order to be a Templar? And no, they'd be like, no. no. And they'd say, well, we still think you are. And actually there's a really interesting, uh, this is a segue or a little uh, tidbit. Um, but there's this really interesting uh, back and forth between the two different legal traditions of England and France. Mm. England at the time required juries. You needed witnesses who have seen the butt kissing and the cross stepping before sure. for somebody to be tried. But in France, they would go off of testimony and uh, and testimony usually under duress. So get a Templar, like, you know, uh, you know torture, him. Uh, torture him for a little bit. Right. And he's like, yeah, we kissed butts and stepped on crosses and did all sorts of things. And, and like, you know, uh, I, I hang out with cats and sacrifice babies <laughs> uh, to Satan and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And they're like, all right, well, this is this is slam dunk. And so the um, the uh, the courts in France uh, really 
um, gravitated towards these testimonies, whereas there was this a legal tradition in England about juries. And bec- and so it meant that it was just, you know, an interesting thing to look into the history of, right. of what constituted proof in the court of law. And in England, so they were these half-hearted trials and Templars weren't killed. And But in France, and Philip IV, of course, you know, was ticked at them, right. um, that... Uh, um, so he had all these Templars and they all went on trial and it was basically a lot of these things were show trials. A lot of the common people were like, I don't buy this show trial at all. And James of Molay's whole life was like in prison mm-hmm. and trying to convince people that he wasn't uh, a heretic. But Philip IV, if you cross Philip IV, he would do nothing. He would stop at nothing to to uh, get what he wanted. He actually dug up Bon. The, remember, he had the mm-hmm. fight with Boniface. He actually dug up his bones and put his bones on trial for heresy. Oh found gosh. him guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and then they like threw his bones in a field. That's messed so up. So he was like, "Gotcha." So mm. to Boniface, you know, the eighth, uh, he was put on like post posthumously put on trial for heresy and lost that trial. Um, Who could have seen that coming? Yeah. And anyway, um, so, you know, this tells you a little bit about what Philip IV was like. Anyway, um, uh, James of Molay, uh, um, it was unclear whether or not you, like, no one really knew how serious they were going to go. So some Templars were like, yeah, fine. We, you know, yeah, we did these things and... Yes, we didn't like the church, and we were our own. We were kind of our own church, and uh, and there were stories of you know Templars who would sleep, you know, have sex with other Templars. Like you know, these things did happen. So mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, I heard about that kind of thing happening. And then Philip IV was like, oh my goodness, you know. Um, and so these trials were all misinformation, mm-hmm. muddled weirdness. And at one point, uh, James of Molay said, "No, we are not heretics. This is ridiculous. We've never done any of this stuff." He, he, I'm the head of the order, and uh, this is a show trial, and we are not heretics. So then they're like, "So says the guy with smooches on." Yeah, his exactly. Buns. He's <laughs> exactly. like, "You're the guy that's getting this butt kiss." So yeah. of course you're going to say that. Yeah. Um, and so then they gave James one last time to confess and to repent, and he said, "Nope, not doing it." So they took him to the steps of Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. They tied him to the stake and they said, all right, man, are you going to confess? And he said, no. And um, he, uh, they were like, all right, well, we're going to burn you alive. And he said, fine, do it. I'm going to see if I can find the actual quote that he said um, before he died. Um, because it's very famous because James of Molay um, curses not only Pope Clement V, but he also curses um, um, Philip IV. Can't find the quote, but so he says this whole thing, and he says, God will avenge our death. And everybody sort of took this to mean that uh, the Clement the fifth and um, Philip the fourth were be were cursed by this holy man who shouldn't have been killed, and these heresy things didn't happen. And he was held up as this model of, you know, uh, uh, everyone was like, no, he's not a he's not a heretic. This is a political thing. People were ticked. Um, is it um, from this your heinous judgment to the living and true God who is in heaven, mm-hmm. warning the Pope that within a year and a day he and Philip the Fourth would be obliged to answer to their crime for their crimes in God's presence? That's right. He said yeah. in one year. Oh, he even gave it a yes, date. Yeah. He gave it a date. The, he said yeah. in a year Moxie and a day. on that guy. Yeah, seriously. One month later, uh, Clement the Fourth was dead. From what? Lu- he got lupus and died. Wow. A month Wowzers. later, eight month later, 
Eight months later, Philip IV died in a hunting accident. No. Fell off his horse. Died. You know who controls horses? God. Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay, good. So everyone was like, holy crap, the Templars, like, did it. Yeah, flipping wizards. Yeah, they're right. wizards. So maybe they are in league with the devil. Um, anyway, so this whole thing happened, and everyone sort of saw that as justice. And this is kind of what started the whole Templars are pulling the strings. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And not all the Templars were killed. All the British Templars were like, don't do that anymore. <laughs> don't, you know. No, you, if, you, if we see you kiss one butt. Yes, exactly. If you do <laughs> any of that We will be so stuff, mad with you. Yeah. If, you, if you sacrifice one more goat to Satan, <laughs> you know, like all these. Stepping yeah. on crosses. Stepping no on crosses. For you don't guys. do any of this stuff. Yeah. So the British Templars got kind of they weren't routed and killed and the ones in 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 spain less so and then in like the 17th and 18th century there was this revival of secret societies and that's when the masons came on the scene and they took um they said that they were the templars reimagined and were called the masons because the templars apparently built secret tunnels underneath the temple mount in jerusalem when they were control of the temple mount and you get so throughout history, you get all these stories of the Templars, and they go underground. They still had this money, and blah 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 blah. But, um, but they went from bodyguards to the to the, uh, the pilgrims in in the Middle East in uh, uh, you know the year like eleven eleven eighteen or whatever it is, um, to being absolutely wiped out in one day on October thirteenth, thirteen oh seven. So they only exist for like what, 300 years or right. so. And, um, and they were this big experiment of violence and money and zeal and taking, that, taking what was working in the Christian world of the monastic tradition, mm. marrying it to a practical temporal need, violence, and trying to make uh, uh, a new Christian expression out of it and I'm comforted that it, it dies out yeah. in a couple, exactly. you know, in, yeah. you know, 10 generations or whatever, not even. So, I mean, not, a, it's definitely not a good period of time for the church. Right. The whole trials of heresy are not a good period of time for the church. No. Um, and, um, but, uh, yeah, that is, so the Templars kind of fade into history. Um, and as the crusading states, um, get, I don't even, you know, as they poof into non-existence. <laughs> Um, all the fervor uh, is no longer – there's the idea of Christendom is starting mm. to fade and the idea of nations are starting to rise, mm. right? Remember with Clement IV right. or Clement V, this was a fight between the French Pope and the Italian Pope and then the German Holy Emperor. You have this idea of people groups as opposed to just Christendom, which you had more uh, back in the early Middle Ages mm. when the crusading uh, – when the crusades sort of started. So – um, yeah, that's, that's the end of the Templars. Um, I mean, that's a pretty, that was a pretty, you know, a Hail Mary call to do like, you're going to die in a year and yeah. both of them do die. That's and great. it works. Yeah, yeah they work. pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yep, that's the Templars. I don't know if you had any, that's sort of the end of the story. I don't know if you have any like final thoughts or, uh, if it's, if, where did all that money go? Yeah. Probably back to the crown, the French crown. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they if the French were indebted to them, then it means they had the money in the first place, and that mm -hmm. debt was just erased. So right. mm -hmm. exactly, there all was those, no real all those money. lands were taken back. Yeah, and, all um, land was taken back, and 
Um, and then those orders were squished. But then you still had the, the Teutons, the Teutonic right. order still existed. And the Hospitallers, they kind of, the Hospitallers were like, all right, well, we're just going to go back to doing hospitals. <laughs> they so, just sort of like changed their logo. Exactly. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. No, the work isn't here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And, um, but it worked, right? Because yeah. they're still around. But there are now, we're sort of making light of it, but there have been, were credible sources saying that, you know, outside the realms of normal Christian orthodoxy was happening in the Templar. No one really knew what was happening. People were coming out and saying that crazy things were happening. We don't really know um, because all of this stuff was secret. Um, so we don't really know if there was actually some sort of... Like walking um, on crosses and... Yeah. Uh, if we and, uh, and apparently you had to like denounce Christ and, uh, and swear your allegiance to the Templars themselves, which may be credible you know like we just don't really but it, was, it was started as a group Holy of people order. yeah to bring you to a pilgrimage site like that doesn't make any sense yeah i know but it but seems as they, like those, are, those stories are but as up they got me. to be seen to be in opposition to mm-hmm. the catholic church maybe right. at some point you had to mm-hmm. denounce catholicism uh, and oh maybe you know, that's like, it and yeah. so maybe that was getting twisted into into you're not denouncing Christ, but you're denouncing Christ's vicar, the mm-hmm. Pope, and you're swearing your allegiance to the, you know. So yep. who knows? There could possibly be those kinds of things, especially this is the era of questioning church authority. So it's yeah. very quite possible that they had right. traditions that were really getting people to. And there's also that like, um, if you make people complicit in crimes, and you uh, then you're going to have them, you're going to have a tighter power grip on them, mm-hmm. right? Like if you make them do something like denounce the, ch- the church, you, you can now always have out them. them exactly. As a church you, could, you could always out them and say, hey, they denounced the church. Yeah. So you now have them in your pocket. So there's probably maybe something like that going on. I mean, that's that's like, that's a common practice now in uh, Scientology, right? They, one of the things they do is ask you all about your life so that they have blackmail mm-hmm. stuff for you later. Bummer. And um, you see this um, um, in, um, like dictators that to get people under their thumb, you know, when a dictator comes to power, he kills all the old, all the old opposition. Well, you get the people who are, who are on the fence to do the killing and now they're in your back pocket. Right. 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 You know, so, um, yeah, so it, maybe there was something going like that with the Templars, but it is a unattractive piece of history. Yeah. And, um, why they are romanticized. I don't really know. I mean, there's some, maybe some gallantry, but, my reading of it is just imbeciles mm. and just you know bad management of resources, and of course Gerard of you know Gerard's stupid military ideas of like who needs water, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So, Armies don't run on water. Yeah, we run, run on spirit. Yeah. So anyway, Great. that's the Templars. That's cool. Interesting, man. I, I'm super interested in Saladin especially, and can't wait to learn about the Mongols. Yeah, Saladin, the more I read about him, the more I just find him to be or just I one mean, of those fascinating leaders of history. And he sent he sent letters back and forth with Richard, didn't yep. he? Like they, they became they were kind of, kind they of were very pals. cordial. Yeah. How did he die? Did you say? Old age? Really? Yeah. That was it? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A conqueror like that, and he died of old age, not assassination or anything. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. impressive. And not in battle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This, anything else? That's awesome. That was really cool. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Graham. Uh, this has been Classical Stuff You Should Know. You can email us at classicalstuff at veritasacademy.net. You can find us on Twitter at classicalstuff, C-L-S-S-C-A-L stuff. 
We are online at classicalstuff.net. And just because we brought it up, um, the uh, erasing of the mutual anathemas between the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church is a part of Vatican II. So that was 1965. Oh, so and Vatican II was kind of a huge deal. Yeah. It was so, a huge deal. That's yeah. so 1965. Cool. So a little before our lifetime, but last 100 years. So still a big deal. Um, I think that's all we have. So for Graham, AJ, and Thomas, this is us signing off. Signing off. Bye. Bye. Bye.